Good morning, everyone. All right. Did you notice the special bond between me and my sheep? I wasn't making, like, I wasn't, like, making it stay there. And it, it just was, you know, kind of muzzling next to me, you know. And I just thought, this is amazing. This, this, I really had this sheep thing down. <laughs> and then my wife, Marcia, said to me, maybe it was the en- uh, empty cookie wrapper in your pocket. <laughs> and that's what it was. Because I had sheep drool down both sides of my coat pocket. I'd had this warm cookie and I'd stuff it in there. And I really thought the sheep loved me, but it was a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about our relationship to God as being one of sheep to a shepherd. Before we get into that, though, I want to bring you greetings from Ghana, West Africa. And I had an opportunity on your behalf to train about 250 pastors there Uh, in the south and the north, and they are grateful for you. They appreciate you so very much. So thank you for being God's God's faithful servants and uh, sharing human resources with them and uh, blessing them. They they appreciate it, and they are praying for you as well. Amen? Also, just a a word. I just want to acknowledge all of our veterans. Veterans Day is coming up, so thank you for your service to our country. God bless each one of you. Now, as we begin to talk about shepherd and sheep, there is something that every one of us has to own up to. And what we have to own up to is what I call our sheep nests. Okay? Our sheep nests. That means I have to be willing to accept that if I'm going to have this close relationship to the shepherd, I I have got to accept the fact that I'm a sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, that can be a little bit of an insult because sheep are not known to be the brightest animals in the world. Uh, Sheep are weak. They can't swim. Sheep are vulnerable while animals can get to them as well as disease. And sheep, I found out, if you were to stick them in a barn and you had this trough just full of grain like corn, sheep will eat themselves to death. It's like they can't stop eating the grain. They'll literally explode. It's like me and ice cream. Marsha has to keep it in limited quantities. Otherwise, I will eat it until I explode. So, you know, there's just nothing real flattering about sheep in that sense. You don't hear about the Minnesota timber sheep, you know, or the Detroit lambs or the Chicago ewes, all right? Somebody's going to say, but there's the St. Louis Rams. Are they playing the Rams today? All right? And you know, there were the horns, and yeah, rams. Well, listen carefully. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, I am your shepherd, and you are my rams. No, we're just simple sheep. In fact, I'd like you to do something right now to begin to own that. Why don't you look at the person next to you and just go, bah, ready? Go ahead. Come on. You can do it. All right. I think I heard a few goats, but that's okay. All right? That was humiliating, wasn't it? But that's, that's what you and that, that's, that's, that's what I am. We are, we are sheep. Uh, Max Lucado uh, writes, he says, what we wish is that God would say, I am the commander-in-chief and you are my warriors. Because everybody applauds when the warriors walk in. Or, I am the king and you are my ambassadors. Because when the ambassador speaks, everybody stops. Or, I am the inspiration and you are my song. Because we hear a beautiful song, we just want to listen But who shows up for the sheep? The answer to the question is the shepherd 
And that's the point. So take your Bibles and turn open to Psalm 23. This passage of scripture which many are familiar with. But if you are not, I hope you will listen carefully. For those of us who are, let's be reminded of what it says. Psalm 23. David speaking says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths for his name's he guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I read through that a while back, I just jotted down some of the benefits of having the Lord as my shepherd, and I just jotted down a few. One is personal attendance. He takes care of us. Secondly, he restores and renews us. He guides us and stays close to us. He protects us and comforts us. He blesses us with overflow goodness and he has a place prepared for us in eternity. Isn't that wonderful? And in order to enjoy those benefits, I just have to accept the fact that he is the shepherd and I am the sheep. But you know, sometimes we struggle with being a sheep. We want to be the shepherd. David struggled with that. One day, pride got a hold of him, and it's like he said, I don't want to be a a sheep anymore. I want to be the shepherd. And as pride entered in, in his life, it led to adultery, to a murder, cover-up, to a trail of tears and horrible consequences for him, excuse me, and his family as well. But you know, when we're willing to own our sheep nest, when we're willing to just be God's sheep, something wonderful happens. We begin to experience God's power at work in and through our lives. For instance, when David lived as a sheep, when he recognized that he was just a simple sheep, he defeated a great giant by the name of Goliath, Goliath, right? Our students got it right away. Goliath. Say, how can a sheep defeat a giant? Well, turn back in the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And let me share with you just a portion of the story about David and Goliath. Beginning at verse 45 for Samuel 17. You can look it up later. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. What's... what's David doing here. He's owning his sheepness. I'm just a simple uh, sheep in God's pasture. And this battle does not belong to me. This battle belongs to God. And in shepherd kind of talk, what he in essence is saying is, you, Goliath, are a predator. You're a monster. And the shepherd is going to protect his sheep. So you better watch out because he is going to defeat and destroy you. 
And he realized victory as a result of that. We have to approach life the same way. I'm just a simple sheep, but I have an awesome shepherd, and he's in control. And, and God's, going to, God's going to take care of me, even if I pass through the valley of death. God is going to see me through as a result of it. So let's, let's dive into Psalm 23. We're going to start by looking at a few of uh, the first verses to it. Would you repeat this phrase with me? The Lord is my shepherd. One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the word for Lord in the Hebrew is Yahweh. And Yahweh is a name attributed to God that describes God bringing the universe into being. Bringing, you know, painting the stars, the sky, the sun and the moon, the galaxies, nature. It is, it is descriptive of God who creates the universe. The universe cannot contain him because God is so great and so big, but he fashions it together. David says, it is this God, Yahweh, who is my personal, personal shepherd. And what was true for David is true for everybody here today or can be true for everybody here today. Yahweh wants to be your personal shepherd. He wants to attend personally to you and to me. You know, sometimes we say things like that or we read things like that and we just gloss over it. We go, "Uh uh-huh, and we move on. But I want you to stop and soak in that truth for just a moment. Isn't that a marvelous thing? That the God of the universe loves you and wants to shepherd you. I want to talk to our students for a moment. Isn't it an awesome thing that God loves you so much that he just wants to be your personal shepherd? Not just a shepherd to the adults, but to students, to children as well. You matter as much to him as anybody else does. It's a pretty amazing thing. To, to live under the umbrella of God's sovereignty, to kind of place myself under that and know that if I will let God, he will, he will direct my paths, he'll be in control of my life. One of my favorite Bible characters, Joseph. You know, when you read about Joseph, he was put in a pit by his brothers. He was sold into slavery and he became a slave. He was then later, under false charges, placed into prison. He lived a pretty miserable life for many years, starting at about the age of 17. But you never once hear him complain. And in fact, in every situation, he was always faithful to God. And you ask yourself, how could he always be faithful to God? How could he not complain in the worst circumstances? It's because he accepted the sovereignty of God. He believed that God was in control even when he didn't understand. Do you believe that God is in control of your life? If you can, it brings enormous freedom. Richard Swenson writes in his book on on contentment about the kind of freedom that happens in our life when we accept God's sovereignty. Listen to what he says. He says, God gives us freedom from wanting more than is good for us. Kind of like the sheep and the corn. They don't know when to stop. God gives us freedom for wanting more than is good for us. God gives us freedom to wish blessings on everyone we meet without the slightest, without the slightest tinge of envy. Is that true about you? Can you just go through life and, and just enjoy other people and bless other people and be thankful for all the things they have and the joy and the successes they have and not feel any envy? He gives us freedom to redefine wealth and possessions in biblical rather than cultural terms. He gives us freedom to gladly surrender our strife and have it replaced by his rest. 
Freedom to be biblically authentic in an age of financially forced compromises. Freedom to understand that one heart inhabited by Christ is enough to take on the world's opinion machine. You know, I think about our students. They face um, a lot of peer pressure. And what other students think about you matters a whole lot when you are young. And so you find yourself uh, struggling sometimes to try to meet the opinions of others. But when you accept God's sovereignty, know that God loves you unconditionally, what, the, what freedom it brings to you is the freedom to say, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. All that matters is what God thinks about me. And I know what he thinks about me because he stated in his word, he loves me unconditionally. I know students are the only ones that deal with worrying about what other people think of them. The rest of us don't, right? We all struggle with it. Can I ask you a very simple question? Do you know, do you know in your heart and mind, do you know the freedom of living under the umbrella of God's sovereignty? The Lord is my shepherd. All right? Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So let's focus on that I shall not want portion. Let me ask you a question. If, if, if all you have is Jesus, do you have everything you need? The answer to the question is yes. If all I have is Jesus, then I have absolutely everything I need. I have forgiveness. I have my shame taken away, my guilt taken away, condemnation taken away. I have a place set for me in eternity. I have a purpose to live out in this life right now, and that is to glorify him in life and suffering and death and joy. Boy, it's wonderful. But the world tells us, the culture tells you and me, that God is not enough for us if the world believes in God at all. The culture tells us that uh, we need more than God in order to be satisfied, in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled. And then the world says to us, the world peddles to us all the things that will make us fulfilled and make us satisfied and make us happy. When Marsh and I lived out west and I was pastoring there in the San Francisco Bay area, uh, I would go fishing out on the bay and out past the Golden Gate. Some friends had a boat. We'd go out together once in a while. And we fished for all kinds of things. My favorite was salmon. But every once in a while, we would fish for a type of fish called a sturgeon. How many of you have ever seen a sturgeon? They're the ugliest fish. They're just bone ugly, man. They, they look like uh, freaky dinosaurs, okay? And they had these huge mouths on them, like Hoover vacuums. And they are bottom feeders, and they just go along the bottom. And the Bay Area is not a good bottom to feed off of, all right? And they're feeding off the crustaceans and whatever else they find on the bottom. And, and that's, that's how they feed. The world wants to make you a bottom feeder. Because the world tells you that what will satisfy your life is if you suck up things like power and money and, and material things or sex or status or success, or you fill in the blank. The world just constantly screaming at us, buy this, get this, take this, have the surgery, look like this, act like this, and you will be satisfied. The other day I walked into the store and I just was like, I I just like assaulted by all the Christmas stuff that's up. I mean, this is a couple weeks ago. 
Yesterday I went to Costco. I just wanted to get a few small items. And it was like, were you there yesterday? I mean, I think everybody was at Costco yesterday. And all I wanted to get was just a, a couple of small things. And people are just, you know, taking Christmas stuff off. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, here we go. Here we go. It starts earlier every year. This whole idea that if I have all these things, I'll be satisfied. You know, I find it to be an insult to be, a, to be considered a bottom feeder. You want to be a bottom feeder? No, I want to be a top feeder, right? I want to, I want to be fed from the hand of God. I want to eat God's manna. I want, I want God's sweetness. I do not want, I don't want to find my joy in what the world offers because it never satisfies. It never satisfies. I, I'm as empty as quick as, as I take it, as I take it in. Let me ask you a question. Are you a top feeder or are you a bottom feeder? Is God enough? Are you, are you taking to yourself or are you giving out of yourself? My understanding is we live this life in order to give life away so others might have life. Jesus said, what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So the writer to Hebrews put it this way. Hebrews chapter 13 said, keep your lives free from the love of money. Emphasis here is not the money, it's the attitude toward the money. The love of money, we should have love for God. And be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That sounds like a shepherd talking, doesn't it? We go to the next verse, he says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Or in our language today, we could say, the Lord is my what? You are the brightest bunch. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That's David talking to Goliath. I'm not afraid of you. What can a mere mortal do to me? Oh, so what if you do kill me? I know where I'm going. That confidence that comes. You have that kind of confidence. Okay, let's go back to the verse again. Read it aloud with me, please. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Those of you who are watching online, I hope that that you speak it out loud with us as well. I love this whole scene right here, don't you? The word picture of green pastures, quiet waters. I love that. But you know what's interesting about sheep is that a sheep, are, they're afraid of rest. They're afraid of rest. So the shepherd has to actually make them rest. And so he's got to find or she's got to find a place where the water is not rough, where it's still smooth, clean. The shepherd also has to make sure they're in good rich, lush, green pastures and try to get them to settle down. I would like to suggest that most of us, if not all of us in this room right now and watching online, fear rest. Now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple questions that are going to to make you a little fidgety, all right? Going to make your fingers itch a little bit. Going to get you a little bit, a little bit uptight. So, on a count of three, I'll take a deep breath and relax. Ready? One, two, three. Exhale. Why don't you rest your hands in your laps? All right? Are you ready? You are an uptight group. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Ready? Here's the question. Don't move after I ask it. 
How many emails are in your inbox right now? Put your phone down, please. And don't pretend you're looking up the 23rd Psalm. Just to mention that makes us think, I need to check. I need to check. I got to answer those emails. I forgot about that email. I need to check. How many social media outlets do you check on? You have to read the post, put a post, deal with it all. How many, how many places do you have to go? How many activities do you have to be a part of? My mentor, Han Robinson, has an amazing statement, and it's on your sermon outline, and it's also on the online. Those of you who are watching, the outline is there as well. Here's what he says. Listen very carefully. He says, we fear rest because we may not be able to catch up again. When I read that, it just resonated deep inside of me. That is so very true. A lot of us fear rest because we feel like if I do back off, if I do take a moment, I won't be able to catch up again because I got to deal with all these emails or I got to deal with all of this social media or I've got to deal with all these appointments or I got to deal with all these places I have to go, all these people I have to see, all these things I need to accomplish, my laundry list around the house, blah, 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 blah. That is not how God wired us to be. It is the result of a worldly system. There's not a place in the Bible that I've ever read where God said you no longer have to observe the Sabbath. He never retracts that. God made you and hardwired you and me to need and to observe rest. Biologically, physiologically, we need rest. Mentally, emotionally, we need rest. Spiritually, we need rest. You can't pull those apart. They're all intertwined. We are scheduled by God to need rest. And one of the most important reasons why God wants us to have rest in our lives is that we will become aware of him. And when you become aware of God... Guess what happens? When you move under his sovereignty, when you downsize your life under God's sovereignty and God being your shepherd, then his peace begins to attend and you begin to experience renewal and restoration. You see, God does not want to be part of our agenda. Are you ready for this? God wants to actually manage and set your agenda. And mine. And sometimes I fear the church, not the building, we the church, sometimes I feel like we have made church so much work as well. That the church, rather than adding rest and restoration and renewal to our lives, actually extracts more from our lives. And we make church so busy that it doesn't even look like what I think God conceived the church was supposed to be. And so we talk all the time about simple church, but really we practice in America complex church. Rest. It's essential. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. The world says this will give you peace, but it doesn't. The world just creates anxiety and stress and unrest for us. God says, I give you peace, the peace of your sins being forgiven, the peace of a simple lifestyle, a peace of trusting me, a peace of not serving yourself, but serving others, a peace of a managed, godly managed life. 
Which means we have to be counterculture and counter-revolutionary, doesn't it? And the question is, are we willing to live that way? Two questions I have for you that we're going to explore. My friends who are going to help teach this on to us, uh, I want us to explore and think about on your outline. Number one, are you willing to admit that you're a sheep in desperate need of the good shepherd? I really want you to think about that. I have to think about that. And by the way, I am preaching as much to me as anybody else. I've asked God to speak to me through this series as I do every series. But am I willing to own my sheepness and admit I desperately need a shepherd? Number two, will you, will I, let him lead your life, my life, and set your agenda, my agenda? Oh, that's a hard one. It's easy to say, oh, I want God to lead my life, but then I set my own agenda. No, I have to be willing to say, Lord, lead my life, and God, help me set the agenda you want for my life. Hunting questions, a lot to think about. I want to share one more passage of Scripture with you about shepherding. This comes from the very lips and heart and mind of Jesus in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. In a moment, we'll be celebrating communion. And that is where God brought his lamb and sacrificed his lamb on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. So our guilt and shame and condemnation could be removed so we could have eternal life. So his spirit could come and live in us. A hired hand, he says, will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. That's the world. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. Can we park there for a moment? Just, just that verse. We could talk for a very long time about what that just said. God has invited you and me into the intimacy that exists between Father and Son and Spirit. He's invited us into that intimacy. We should then breed in our lives something very supernatural. So, Jesus says, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. I want to be a sheep of his pasture. Because he's proven to me that he loves me. He died on a tree for my sins. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the ancient words of Scripture that remind us of the very present truth of your love for us demonstrated in your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent as a sacrifice for our sins. Father, I thank you that the invitation is always open to become one of the sheep of your pasture. And if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I am a sheep of God's pasture, I would like to invite you after our service is done when Pastor Heather is at the front to come and speak to her or one of our prayer partners about how you can become or how you can know that you are a sheep of God's pasture. It means acknowledging who Jesus is, the Son of God. Confessing that you're a sinner to him 
a simple sheep who needs forgiveness, receiving his forgiveness, and then just simply following him one day at a time. It's a life change. It's a, it's a transformation. It means to stop following who or whatever you've been following and saying, I'm only going to follow Christ. But you know, for those of us who know we are sheep of his pasture, isn't it interesting how we are prone to wander from our shepherd? Become easily enticed by false shepherds? Just as that sheep brought its head close into my side, I want to invite you through Holy Communion to come close to Christ, to nuzzle next to Him and smell the sweetness of His life, knowing someday you will be with Him, to enjoy Him now. The bread that you will hold in a moment represents His body that was given for you as you hold that bread. I want to encourage you to just offer up prayers of thanksgiving to God. And to humble yourself and say to God, God, I want to bring myself under your sovereignty. And to say to God, you are everything I need. And to say to God, I want you to direct my path and set my agenda. So, Father, speak to our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.